0: Welcome to In Step Podcast, a ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Billings, Montana. This podcast is all about you, me, and Jesus walking in step. Our goal is to gain a fresh perspective to apply the principles of God's Word to our everyday life. Thanks for joining us. And now, let's see what God has for us today in step. You, me, Jesus.
1: Well, hello and welcome to Episode 9 of the In Step Podcast. This is Ryan, and I'm so thankful that you've decided to drop in and give us a listen. Now, today is the second part in a three-part miniseries highlighting a couple of pastors from around the state of Montana, you know, as we chat about unique struggles, challenges, and strategies to reach people in their local context. You know, in our walk with the Lord, we can have this struggle where we sometimes measure success by all sorts of standards. Uh, Maybe we don't think we pray enough, read enough, or or lose it on our kids too much, or or don't reach enough people, or don't memorize enough, and so on. Well, today, we tackle this subject of how we measure success, especially from the standpoint of a leader of a small-town church in the center of the universe— That's right, Jordan, Montana. Well, today's episode features K.J. Ellington, the second most famous K.J., at least to me, besides the Christian hip-hop artist. Now, K.J. and his wife, Sharon, have served Jordan Community Bible Church for the last 13 years. He and I dive into the topic of simply being faithful with what God has called us to, no matter what your life situation is. You will find the insights he brings from his years of ministry to the folks in Jordan are easily applicable to your own personal contexts. It's a fascinating discussion for sure that I hope brings a new perspective to you in your service for the Lord. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with K.J. Ellington. All right, well, KJ, thanks so much for joining me on the episode today. I appreciate you being here. It's an
2: honor and a privilege to to join you today, Ryan.
1: Awesome. Now, I've been wanting to to chat with you about this idea for quite a while, and as we've gotten to know each other in the past few months, uh, it's really fun to hear about the work and the things that God's doing up in Jordan, Montana. Uh, Jordan, Montana, of all places. And uh, tell us a little bit about Jordan. We were talking about this, uh, about how Jordan's like the center of the universe. And so talk to me a little (laughs) bit about life in Jordan and then life as the, the pastor of the church in Jordan. Sure, sure. I've uh, uh,
2: the pastor of Jordan. I've uh, been there about 13 years. Uh, the neat thing about Jordan is it is the most isolated county seat in the lower 48 states. Uh, so it's an hour when you leave town to anywhere. Mm. But you'll find that it's also the center of the universe because you can go anywhere in the world and meet somebody who knows somebody in Jordan or has been there. So it's a, it's a unique place to be. Uh, the work there is, uh, is with ranchers. It's a small community. Uh, in 13 years, we've seen the church grow. God has blessed. We've seen uh, baptisms every year. We have people uh, that leave and are missionaries in different places and, and making a worldwide impact from a, a little town in the middle of nowhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Now, Jordan being the center of the universe, what, what do you mean by that?
2: What I mean by that is uh, because I identify so closely with the town, I recognize the the connections. Uh, and so when I tell people, I'm proud that that's where I'm from and, uh, and where we live. So I'll tell people I'm from Jordan, and very rarely will somebody fail to tell me about an experience with somebody from Jordan, their uh, a chance of going there, or something they know about it. Um, and so no matter where you go, somebody has gone through the center of the universe in Jordan.
1: So. <laughs> and we were just talking recently about how I've got some uh, family members. Exactly. You know, that I'm distantly related to up in Jordan. So, so. I was
2: not surprised when you well, said that. Of course not. Of
1: course not. Of course not. Now, uh, with with your beard, you've been mistaken for being from Jordan in the Middle East, haven't you? I
2: actually have. I, I, a guy asked me one time if I was, uh, uh, what I did for a living, and I said I was a pastor and he said really and i said and he said where and i said jordan and he's like i guess that explains the beard then and i said what and he's like well if you're in the country of jordan you'd probably need the beard and i'm like no 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 <laughs> <laughs> so i have uh, i have been and i've actually gotten facebook requests from people that live in the country of jordan wanting to be friends cuz really? they thought that was the where the church was
1: that's so funny <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> so uh uh, tell us a little bit about how you and your wife ended up in Jordan, because you're originally from North Carolina, I'm originally
2: right? originally from North Carolina. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's a unique uh, situation because I, I felt called to uh, small churches that have difficulty um, attracting a pastor, um, not because they're unattractive churches, but hmm. uh, maybe they, they, they can't pay them very much. Maybe they're geographically in a difficult place where it gets 40 below zero and snows or... <laughs> Uh, there's more cows than people. Whatever the situation may be, there's some places that, that don't attract people. That's why there's less people living there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I felt called to those small churches. I felt like they needed uh, trained leadership in their church instead of just saying, um, one of my pet peeves that I heard here a, less now but a lot when we first got there is, well, this is just Jordan. So it was like they're okay being mediocre, Mm. and I don't think that's fair to the people of the community, and I don't think it's fair to the churches. And so I felt like that was my calling. And uh, so my wife and I, uh, through a couple of different years, uh, the Lord confirmed the call to both of us, and uh, we came up and visited the church, and we've been there ever since. (laughs)
1: That's awesome! Praise the Lord, and doing great things in Jordan, Montana. Great things! Uh, Lord so awesome is to hear about that. the
2: Lord is so faithful and good to us there.
1: Now, um, being a pastor of a small town church in Montana, uh, life can be um, you know it can be a little bit lonely, but also uh, maybe it can be a little frustrating mm-hmm. because you. You're not in Billings, where there's 100,000 people. You're not in Denver, where there's millions of people. You're not in a in a high urban area with a lot of people to draw from. And so, um, talk to me a little bit about s- sort of this idea that success as a pastor is having a whole bunch of people at your church, and how you've kind of wrestled with that. Living in Jordan, Montana, being content with. 40 people, 30 mm-hmm. people, 50 people on a Sunday.
2: Yeah, I knew going to Jordan uh, that you do not become president of the convention at a church like that. Uh, it doesn't make a really great introduction to say uh, you started with seven people and now you have 50. Hmm. Uh, and so that is a real, um, a real thing that uh, I think pastors of small churches deal with. Uh, the reality that they feel that God called them there, but other expectations that that are put on them makes them maybe think that they're not being a success at what they're doing because they're not seeing the same numbers or something like that. Yeah. So it's a very real struggle that uh, that I dealt with, um, and to be honest,ly still deal with sometimes. Mm. But I, I'm, I know I'm not alone in that. There's uh, there's several people who pastor in places where they feel God gave them a heart to be, uh, yet they're not going to have the numbers that you would see in Billings or in uh, Denver or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so for you, how, how do you value success as a pastor in Jordan? What does success look like for you then?
2: Uh, for me, um, number one uh, has been that I I feel like the Lord is happy with what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. That I will hear that well done, good and faithful servant. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has been one of the overwhelming um, things that 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 looks like success to me. That God says you're doing good, KJ. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, another one has been to honestly look at the look at the statistics. Yeah. Uh, when you look at demographics, when you look at the different things and say, in this setting, what is actually possible?
1: Mm.
2: I will never have a thousand people coming to church. There's not that many people in town.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
2: so you're not going to have that. And so actually having a reality check and say, this is where God put me. Therefore, I will never see those types of things. And so just having some reality there. Um, but as far as what success looks like, I feel successful when people come to me uh, out of our congregation and say, the Lord is calling me to do this. Will the How about we start this in our community? Yeah. Uh, just this past week, I had somebody say, I told such and such about Jesus. Hmm. That's success to me. Uh, because when I went there, there were a lady in town told me we have a lot of churches, but not a lot of Jesus. Hmm. And if we leave there and they say we don't have a lot of churches, but we have a lot of Jesus, I would be, a, I would feel successful.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I love that. So that growth is is more so in, uh, in people taking steps of faith in um, growth and maturity. And um, now talk to me, we've we talked about this, but uh, talk to our listeners about, uh, your vision for those who leave Jordan.
2: Yeah, that's, um, our, our church has, has been given a unique ministry of, uh, people coming into town that are trying to find themselves or trying to run from something or whatever the situation may be. But they find themselves in Jordan again, it's the center of the universe. So they find themselves there for a year or two or, or whatever. And our church loves on them. Uh, we've led people to the Lord and watched them grow. Um, but Jordan is not a, doesn't tend to be a place that that is long term, even for people who are born there. a lot of people are moving around and so our church has seen a turnover of people that are that are out and about. I actually keep a list in my office of people who are in our church at some point who are now doing ministry or are involved in churches elsewhere mm-hmm. and um, and so the phrase that we use and the phrase that I use often is uh, we are not." telling, we're not telling them goodbye. We're not seeing them leave our church. We are sending them as missionaries from our church. Uh, And I think that list now has about 16 or 17 names on it Mm -hmm. of people who in my 13 years there have uh, been a part of the church and are now doing something somewhere else where, where the Lord has used them.
1: yeah. Yeah. I love that. We're not losing people. We're sending we're them. Sending we're sending them. We're sending them. So let's get them ready to go. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so fantastic. So um, I want to dive in a little bit more about what, what our central focus is here. Now, we talked a little bit about finding success mm-hmm. in um, what the Lord has for you and growth and steps and in, in maturity of folks in the community rather than numbers. Right. Um, for those listening out there, um, uh, w- we have... All sorts of measures of successes for our job. Um, it may be, um, you know, money that we earn. It may be um, accolades, respect, bonuses, moving up in the corporation, and so on and so forth. And so we oftentimes measure success in being outstanding, mm-hmm. in making a name for ourselves. And uh, what do you think about that? Like, wh- why are so many folks choosing to go after that. Uh, and in my, in, in, in our opinion, getting their identity wrong.
2: Yeah. Um, I think society in general, uh, leads us to want accolades. Hmm. Uh, you want your name recognized. Uh, you, you want the pat on the back. You want the trophy. You want to be uh, number one and, um, you know, when it, when even when we talk to people, I think that's the the nature of the American culture has been, uh, when we meet somebody, one of the first things we say is, "What do you do for a living?" Mm-hmm. Because that's kind of our identity, and that'll tell you, okay, well, this is a an outstanding, smart person who has really applied themselves <laughs> and gone somewhere, or this person really doesn't care about life and they're they're working a a little minimum wage job their whole life. Yeah, uh, and we tend to make that about. Their identity, and so I think a lot of people tie that uh, that success and accolades to their to their identity, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's why they seek after those things.
1: Yeah, and and, and find their value from that. Yeah, um, you know, from their identity, what what we do uh, rather than who we are. You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but why don't you think people think about their identity very often? Uh, let alone how it influences their life, right? Yeah, I I, I don't
2: think they, they consciously think about it, but I, I do think they think about it because when you, uh, with social media nowadays, uh, people look at what pictures they're tagged in and they sure. think, okay, I don't look good in that one. I'm going <laughs> to untag myself. Uh, so I think they do think about it, but I don't think they think about it in a way of, um, okay, how is this glorifying to God? How is this who I really am? Um um and I and I, I'm not real sure I can answer the question for all of society. <laughs> I know I can for me and, and I'm I'm sure I'm not alone. Um there's others who would identify with it also. Um but I think there is an element of uh of maturity that is I'm I'm trying to find the right word for it, but there's a you feel like you've reached a certain level. Mm. Um I had a friend the other day that said, uh, "When do you actually feel like you became an adult?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, if my mom's in the room, I'm still not." <laughs> sure. Uh, and so seeking that identity, I, I think that that that's similar to what they're looking for is uh when have I reached the point of I could put my name out there to say I'm ready to be a pastor? When mm-hmm. can I put my name out to say I want that job? Um whereas um you know a lot of people i think are scared they're looking for somebody to say um, instead of Ryan saying i want that job they you you're waiting for somebody to say Ryan you're doing a great job let me give you this job
1: yeah yeah uh,
2: and and I, so i don't think that that's they're, they're seeking that more than the the actual identity of who they are and being confident in in what what god's made them to be
1: yeah yeah and so being confident that God's made you to be a pastor of a church in Jordan, Montana, mm-hmm. for you, um, you know, God's called you to this. Exactly. So um, your goal then is to be the best at it that you can be, right? Exactly.
2: That's the foundational key to to what I've found works in my setting, mm-hmm. is knowing that, I and I, I told you this when we first met, I think I was handmade to be in Jordan, Montana. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think I was, God uh-huh. formed me and, and put experiences in my life and eventually led me there. Uh, and I could not be the pastor of Emmanuel. I could not be the pastor of, uh, of a different setting mm-hmm. right now, because right now God says, KJ, your marching orders are to be the pastor in Jordan. I, I need you to be the best pastor there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And bring the most honor and glory to him. And exactly. so I think that's helpful for anybody in any sort of situation that we're in out mm-hmm. there, you know. Whatever God's called you to, whatever you're doing right now, do it the best that you can. Exactly. I, I heard it recently said like this: um, being a follower of Jesus is about doing the next right thing you know how to do, and so um, it's not about finding out what's God's sort of ethereal will for my life, intent. You know, what does He want me to do for the rest of my life? Well, the answer is in Scripture. He wants you to be faithful, exactly, and to be sanctified, and to be and to be different, and to be His disciple, and just follow Him. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was His call to the disciples at the very beginning, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Follow me. Mm -hmm. And um, man, if it's good enough for the disciples, it's good enough for us. Exactly. (laughs) So, uh, so what are, what are some scriptures or scriptural truths that you keep coming back to in this area of identity and leaning into the su- kingdom success, we'll call it. Sure.
2: Well, there's two that that really stick out that I that I keep at. Uh, so I tell my people that the Bible is the the sword of the the Lord. You know, mm-hmm. it's a sword. That's the way it describes itself. Uh, and so, every so often, I just need a little dagger, a little verse. And so, these are my little daggers. But uh, uh, the the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, specifically. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that, but specifically the fact that both of the faithful servants. Got the same reward. Well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah, uh, It wasn't the the amount. Yeah. And so I can be just as faithful in Jordan pastoring a small church as the biggest name pastor in any, any mega town and mega church. Um, you can be faithful doing both or you can be unfaithful doing either one. Uh, and so that's one that I really come back to is uh, I need to be faithful in doing what I'm doing. Uh, and and whatever God's given me to handle, handle. Yeah. Uh, the other one, the one that really, though, kind of solidifies it for me is uh, the end of John. I think it's chapter 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus and Peter are walking, and, you know, he says, uh, Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Yeah. Uh, but there's a, a, an encounter that happens at the very end where John is following them, uh, and Peter's like, uh, you know, Jesus, what about him? And, uh, of course, this is the KJE version uh, right, of the story. Right. He says... Uh, don't worry about him, do what I told you to do. Uh-huh. Um, and I think a lot of times we get focused on other people's jobs yeah. instead of the one we were given. yeah. And, uh, God did not call me to be the pastor of a church in Billings. So I don't need to worry and, and think about being the pastor of a church right. in, in Billings. He called me to pastor the church in Jordan and that's what I need to be focused on. And for me, that, that helps me identify my place in the kingdom mm-hmm. and, uh, you know that's a that's a great thing. Yeah, uh, my if you think that parts of your body are not important, I've got a knife and we can just alleviate that. But nobody <laughs> nobody takes me up on that offer because they know that every piece of their body is important. Yeah, and uh, I think recognizing that you are in the body of Christ and you are in the kingdom of God, and recognizing where you fit in all of that brings a lot of satisfaction and a lot of confidence and a lot of um, for lack of a better word, pride in what we do. Yeah, because we represent God.
1: Man, man, that is so good. Because I think so many, so many people out there struggle with this idea of identity. Am I doing what God wants me to do? Is there something else that He wants me to do? And and to understand that we're the body of Christ. There's so many different moving parts, mm-hmm. and each part is important. You know, from a from a knuckle to an elbow to an eye to a toe to an arm and and and. Uh, all the way down to the microscopic, if we want to nerd exactly. out. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but um, so success, scripturally speaking, is doing what God's asked you to do right now, doing it to His honor and glory, doing it to the best of your ability. Uh, the end.
2: Yeah, I, I would obedience. And, yeah, and doing it as good as possible. You can be obedient and not do good. Right. Um, you know, my kids. Sometimes I'll tell them, you know, sit down and. They get as close as possible to sitting and still keep a little bit of... I think everybody uh, deals with that. Um,
1: yeah, or they'll sit down with the arms crossed, the exactly. scowl on their face.
2: And so it, it's obedience, but it's doing it because, you know, hey, God called me to do something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm being obedient, but I'm doing it well. Yeah, I used to use the phrase that uh, even if I'm just the toenail in the body of Christ, I'm going to be the best toenail I can be. Cause I'm part of the body. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Made
1: it. <laughs> yeah. I made it. Yeah. Just barely. Yeah, I'm on the end. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm here, but I'm here. <laughs> oh, that's so good. And, and, and that's, that's good parenting advice too. <laughs> you know, Hey kids, just focus on what you need to do and don't worry about your siblings. Exactly. You, know? you worry, you do what you do and do that well. And then don't, you know, and I think uh, when
2: you mature, you recognize how important your part has been. Mm. Uh, I don't think any of us will recognize how how we how we were used fully yeah. until we get to the other side. I had a college professor, uh, a Bible school professor,
1: mm-hmm.
2: tell me uh, any fool can count the number of seeds in an orange, but only God can tell you how many oranges are in a seed.
1: Yeah.
2: And I think about that. Uh, you may be pastoring a small church in the middle of nowhere, and you think you have no influence, and you... You know, you you see one baptism, or you know yeah. something like that. You don't know what God might do with that. Yeah. And when you get to the other side, and He says, "You were mad that I made you a pastor of a small church, but do you know that your ministry a hundred years later impacted millions?
1: Yeah, yeah. Or or you know maybe a stay at home mom homeschooling yeah. her kids, yeah. and she and she's she's struggling with it because she doesn't like it. She doesn't feel like she's good at it. But that investment yes. will, will reap a harvest of, of of righteousness. I believe someday. You know, we were talking about um, living in uh, small town Montana and how uh, oftentimes when it comes to farming and ranching, you make an investment into your crops or into your um, into your herd, and you don't know what that investment is going to yield until. Well, next fall. Exactly. Or several years down the line, or so on and so forth. So, yeah. uh, the investments that we make in what God's called us to do, whether it's flipping burgers and McDonald's, mm-hmm. or being a mega church pastor or a CEO of a company, um, it all matters. It all matters. It all matters.
2: I shared it with you earlier, but uh, I worked at a gas station there in town. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some people may think, oh, that's below me. I have a college <laughs> degree or whatever. It was the best thing that God could have ever done. I yeah. met so many people. Uh, that, that are now involved in the church mm-hmm. that probably would have never stepped foot in the church otherwise.
1: Yeah, definitely. And talk about faithfulness and so on. You told me a story about your grandfather yeah. uh, driving a milk truck. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh,
2: so my granddad, uh, he's one of those that I think would uh, recognize the parts later. Uh, he's in heaven now and enjoying uh, his time with Jesus. Uh-huh. Um, but when we look back on on his life, he drove a milk truck. He delivered milk products and and uh, did a, did that sort of thing for uh, I don't remember exactly, but over 30 years and, mm. uh, and retired there while he was doing that. Uh, he got in, got saved and got involved in the church and he was just there. He was the guy that filled up the baptistry. He was the guy that met you at the door and handed you a bulletin. Yeah. Um, but what he, and, and a lot of people are like, well, that's all I can do. I'm not smart enough to do anything else yeah. or, or God won't let me do anything else. And they may not be able to find, uh, identity and comfort and, and confidence in that. But, uh, if he could look down now and see what his uh, life represented to his children and grandchildren, uh, I think I think Jesus has given him a, 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 a pat on the back and saying, well done, yeah. good and faithful servant. Uh, and it was just the daily, mundane, get up, go to work, yeah. be a faithful husband, yeah. be a good dad, be a good granddad, uh, serve the church where you can, uh, just consistent faithfulness and... And that's that's what he found identity and and that's what he did.
1: Yeah. That's uh, awesome. I love yeah. that. I
2: and to that me that, that is a great um a great lesson. Just do that. Just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and let God worry about a lot of the other details, you know, he's got somebody else doing something. And, yeah. Uh, but he may have bigger plans. I call it the Rubik's Cube of God. If you ever watch somebody do a Rubik's Cube, mm-hmm. it looks like a mess until the last half second, and everything clicks together.
1: Yeah.
2: I think a lot of times we're we're thinking, um, well, God, how are you going to pull all this together? And He says, just trust me. Mm-hmm. You do your part. That's right, what I need right. you to do right now. I just need you to do your part.
1: Yeah.
2: And I will handle the rest of it. And then mm-hmm. when we get to the end we're like oh that's what he was doing and that, that all makes sense and yeah uh, but i think until you can actually grab a hold to and, and say that's the part i'm doing that's the part i did mm-hmm. uh you know that that's really to me that has been what what has gotten me through some of the darkest and difficult times in jordan is is uh looking up and saying lord are you sure and he says stay right there. I know what I'm doing. Just stay right there. Keep doing it. Yes, Lord, this is where you got me.
1: Yeah. And that's what I'm going to keep doing. That's awesome. I love that. Well, to finish off, I just want to ask this question. Um, What are some practical ways that we can glorify God? And we've talked a little bit about this, but let's finish it off with this. What are some practical ways that we can glorify God coming from a place of our identity being in him?
2: Uh, Obedience. We mentioned Mm -hmm. that one already. Um, Doing what God told you to do. Uh, A lot of people will sit here and say, well, what does God want me to do? Mm. Well, open the Bible. He's already told you 90% of it right there. That's Mm -hmm. what he wants you to do.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, Be obedient in what you already know. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: Don't let your unanswered questions question the answers you already have. Mm. Just do it. That's good. Uh, uh, I think there's um, humility uh, and... Recognizing your place, uh, uh, the head of the body is is great, and that's what everybody sees, that's what everybody talks about, but the head is no good if yeah. it's not attached to the rest. And, yeah. and so humility and recognizing, uh, recognizing that. Uh, I think there's also some, um, uh, some practical application in, um, in seeing where you fit. Mm. So look at how God has built you. What talents has He given you? What spiritual gifts has He given you? And and see, where do I fit in the body um, yeah. and, and point that out. Uh, I am an introvert by nature. Sure. Uh, I'm a pastor of a church, okay? So uh-huh. every week I stand in front of people and I talk. My greatest fear is public speaking. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, you know, it, but when God designed me, He's like, I got a place where there's not a whole lot of people. That yeah. Feels like family when you stand up every week. That's right. So it doesn't feel like public speaking. But yeah. I need you to feed them on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, he he built me for that place. Yeah. He built me for that. And uh, so, just finding it mm-hmm. was was one of the things. But yeah. You know, I think that's a real practical thing of, of finding your identity in Christ is how did He make you? We're so busy trying to change our hair color and change our looks and. Put filters on when we post pictures and all that kind of stuff. Just the biggest key ha- has been for me authenticity. Mm-hmm. I'm not a cowboy, but I live in cowboy country. Yeah. I'm not a hunter and a fisher, but I live in like the hunting and fishing capital of the world. That's right. Um, but authenticity is more important than that. Just be who God made you to be. Yeah. And uh, and serve where he told you to serve. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, listen, this has been a great conversation and, and we could keep going and going, uh, I think, but, um, uh, man, I really appreciate what you've said, um, about having the proper identity about leaning into what God's told you to do. I mean, it goes back to Matthew when he says, seek first, exactly. the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things God will take care of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's just a good word. Uh, for us. So thanks again, KJ, for being on the podcast. Thank I really you. appreciate it.
2: It's a privilege uh, to, to be here and, and uh, to discuss this with you.
1: Yeah. All right. Thanks again. Thank you. Wow. What a fantastic conversation. You know, I loved how KJ helped us to reorient ourselves towards how God defines success and not how others define it. You know, for him, that means having an understanding of what is actually possible based on the resources and opportunities that God has given him and attempting to maximize That to bring glory and honor to the Lord. Basically, the foundation and key to living for Christ is being the best you can be at what God has you doing at the time. Well, I just want to say thank you so much to KJ Ellington for joining me on the podcast, man. I really appreciated his time and his insight, and I know you did too. Now, if you missed out on the last episode, uh, we spoke with uh, sat down and spoke with William Johnson, the state church planning director, about innovative ways to serve your community. So you're going to want to check that out. Also. Our next episode on April 24th, we're going to finish our little mini-series with a conversation with Jonathan Turner, the brand-new pastor of Floral Park Baptist Church in Butte. Now, we chat about transitions, making major changes in our lives, and, and what helped him and his wife as they made the move to Butte last fall. You won't want to miss that episode. And finally, we're very excited about a new series on families that we're working on that will be coming up very soon. So stay tuned for that. Now, as always, if you aren't already subscribed to the Emmanuel Podcast, take a few minutes, find us on your device, and click subscribe. You can also hop on our website at myemanuel.net and find it there. And don't forget to share this content with a friend, and while you're at it, share it on social as well. Well, I just want to thank you so much for joining us today for the In-Step Podcast. In-Step. You. Me. Jesus.
0: Thanks for listening to the In Step Podcast, a ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Billings, Montana. We hope your time with us today has encouraged, strengthened, and helped you walk in step with Jesus. New episodes are available every other Wednesday, so please subscribe, share us with a friend, and like us on Facebook. Also, don't forget to check out our website at myemmanuel.net. And finally, please don't change or alter the content in any way without our permission. Until next time, in step, you, me, Jesus.